Welcome to the Steady On Podcast, where God's hard truth meets your hard story. I don't need to tell you that life gets hard. Life gets hard, really hard. But God's faithfulness is still active and alive in our hard. And these episodes are dedicated to remembering and claiming the promises of a faithful God. I'm your host, Angie Bauman. I'm a pastor and Bible teacher, founder of Steady On Ministries, and creator of the Step-by-Step Bible Study Method. But more than that, I'm a trauma and abuse survivor who carried a heavy weight of shame and worthlessness for many years, and I still struggle, but I live in much more freedom now because I know God through His Word and speak truth to the lies of the enemy with His Word. And that's what we do here. On Mondays, we take it in by studying the promises of God, and on Wednesdays, we live it out with teaching and testimony on the promises of God. So thank you for tuning in, my friend. You are the reason for this show. And I'm so very, very glad you are here. Let's get started. Hello, friend, and welcome into what I'm calling an important episode. It's a conversation about human trafficking with filmmaker Christina Zorick. Christina is the daughter of the late Academy Award-winning actress Olympia Dukakis. I hesitated starting with that because it's not really that important to the interview, but I decided you, like me, would think it's pretty neat to know Olympia lent her support to this project before her passing in 2021. Christina and I don't talk about her mom at all in the interview because we found a more personal point of connection. Christina loves Jesus, and she's experienced that thing that happens when the Holy Spirit stirs us to step into unfamiliar and uncomfortable waters to partner with Him in kingdom work. I know that stirring. And as I listened to Christina talk about God winks and tipping His hat to her when she needed encouragement, I thought to myself, yes, I know that side of God too. Our verse this week is from the book of Proverbs. It's Proverbs 31.8, and it says in the complete Jewish Bible translation, Speak up for those who can't speak for themselves, for the rights of all who need an advocate. Speaking up takes all shapes and sizes. Sometimes it's reaching your hand to cover your friend's hand as she shares her struggle over steaming mugs in a coffee shop. Sometimes it's signing a petition or joining a peaceful protest. And sometimes it's calling on friends and connections in the film industry to create a documentary that shines light on a dark issue. My conversation with Christina contains some first-hand stories, but it isn't graphic at all. It's real, it's honest, and it's filled with encouragement for you to do your part. I hope it serves as an opportunity to further your understanding of the hell in which some of our fellow humans are living and gives you the courage to ask God, how can I help with this? Let's listen in. Christina, welcome to the Steady On community. I'm so glad you are here. I'm really honored and blessed to be here. Thank you. Give us a little bit of the backstory of the new abolitionist, if you will. Why did you decide to dedicate yourself to this project um, at this time in your life? Uh, How did it become something you just couldn't ignore? Tell us a little bit about your heart behind the project. Wow, that's such a unraveling just in itself, isn't it? Backstories Mm -hmm. are fascinating. First of all, I'm so, I'm grateful to be on a show that, you know, is faith-based because I can, when I'm on other shows, I I talk about it, but I want everyone to feel they can access this issue. So I'm always kind of making sure that this issue is digestible and activated for the, for as wide an audience as possible. But because it's faith-based, I can kind of tell you the God links and the God winks and all the different mm-hmm. things that happen that I know 
our God, without him, without Jesus, God, Holy Spirit. This is this was a divine assignment. Frankly, in my own strength, I don't even know if I would have chosen it on so many different levels. Basically, I met in 2012 an anti-trafficker. Her name was Erica Grieve. She's pretty well known in anti-trafficking circles. The name of her NGO is Unlikely Heroes. She had been a nurse in California and women and children had stumbled in who had been trafficked. And she just was overwhelmed by the idea that there was no real social network system. They didn't have what was needed to rehabilitate. She just decided to start an NGO, build homes and place rescued women and children in the home, staff it. But of course, to do all of this, you have to get funding. And I met her and I literally felt like time stands still. still. Um, I know that's hokey and weird, but you have these moments in life. We always see them around romantic events, but Sometimes they happen where you just feel something important is happening in your life. And I felt that the next thing that happened is I was like, how can I help? What can I do? I offered, I knew she needed money to raise, to raise, you know, awareness, but to be able to raise funds. Right. So, um, I sent her a bunch of uh, uh, cinematographers and directors at the time that I knew I did not think of myself as a filmmaker at all. I was gonna, I came up with a project. My, I was gonna act in it. My mom was gonna direct it. We had a New York City producer. We were all ready to go. And I got on the phone with my prayer partner and she, I loved it because she was so, she's, we kept praying. She goes, I don't think you're supposed to do this. I remember that subject matter about trap. Remember how you got so upset? It's like trafficking. I can't do, what do you mean? And there was a video about trafficked children because Patricia King has a heart for trafficked for the for trafficked children and does and so that's what hooked me. And then I went on my first mission trip through her and I read her book, uh, "For His Tears We Died," which it was a compilation of different uh, stories about trafficked women and children and boys. Um, and then that first trip was 2015. I brought a camera. I, I didn't feel ready. I didn't feel good at it. I didn't feel like I, I felt arrogant and crazy in a way that I was doing this. No, thank you so much for just sharing some of that. And I, I, I hear a couple of different things, but one of the things that I hear is something I think that's so familiar to many of us when we are asked to step out in a way that we are not comfortable with, or I don't even like that word, but just it's just scary, right? And I think the enemy goes between two lies. One, you don't know enough to do this, which is what I've been. And then when we're like, yeah, but I'm going to do it anyway, then I feel like he's like, who do you think you are that you're doing it? Like, it's like this, uh, you know, like, and I heard you say both of those things. Like, I felt scared and totally ill-equipped. But then at times I thought, who do I think I am that I know enough to try to, you know, tell this story to the world? So I think whatever, whatever our calling is, it's going to take us to that place. And uh, so I just really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. And I think the other part of it that was really interesting for me is that he really, and I can get emotional here, and there's a verse to back it up. I found it one day in the Bible and I was like, oh, I got to memorize it. And I didn't, and I should have, because it's a paraphrasing of what I've been praying for, for years with my prayer partners. And I always say, God, can you just tip your hat 
Can you tip your hat and encourage us while we're fighting through this or while we're just give us little God winks along the way, little synchronistic events that we know are you to encourage us. And I, and I did that with God. I, I would pray that for years. And I felt that on this project. I, I knew if I didn't have that, I don't think I could have done it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. Have, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. know that tip your hat where I call it, sometimes I call it move the curtain just long enough that I can yeah. see what I'm doing. Right. Like you can see, you get this encouragement that somebody reaches out, something falls into place, whatever. And it's just so obvious that God is orchestrating stuff. And then he just sort of closes it back because we don't need to see too much of what's going on. Right. right. But it is that tip your hat or that God wink that you're talking about. Because- because you want to, I mean, look, if you're, if you're a real believer, what do you want to do? I mean, at the center of everything you want to make him happy. Yeah. I'm going to get emotional, but yeah. that's it. What do that you want to do? Yeah. You want, you, you want to yeah. make him happy. You right. want to make him proud. Mm-hmm. The same way I felt about my parents, same yeah. thing. Right. And so if you know that he's okay, he doesn't have to make you know that he's proud. He just has to let you know yeah. that you're not in the wrong place doing exactly. the wrong thing. Exactly. And that's all I needed to know. I yep. just needed to know because I also realized through the experience, because he did that so often with it, I realized all those times I fought against the river, pushing, pushing for things. And I look back, I went, that was not for me. Why did yeah. I do that? But you have to have those experiences where you really know. And I and I don't want to say easy because mm-hmm. nothing about it was easy at mm-hmm. all. Yeah. So it's not it's not that when it's God, it's easy, but it's that you just feel this sense of rightness and he yes. confirms it with circumstances and people. Yeah. So teach us just a little bit about some of the facts of trafficking, if you will. Like, who have you learned is the most at risk? Um, Who is placing these people into slavery? Who is fighting for their freedom? Will you just kind of teach us a little bit about the issue? I will. I will. I I hope to God that everyone watching watches the film because Mm -hmm. that's that's the whole purpose of the film. There's no other purpose. I wanted to take everyone on a journey with me. As much as I could in real time as I experienced it, much much to the chagrin of my editor who was like, why don't we put some language here and a card here? I was like, no, I want them to have an experience where they get to feel and discover things. Yes, there are international cartels running it, working locally with gangs and mafia in different countries. I'd been told through everyone I met and who was who does international work. You know, it's a, it happens to at risk people groups, right? So that can be a trauma that's personal, a medical trauma, a trauma in the family. It can be as a result of um, these are push factors, as Annie Dieselberg says at uh, Nightlight, that push women or young girls into this. Um, it can also come about as a result of poverty, lack of education, lack of resources, no social systems in a country, third world, ignorance. Um, addiction, abuse in the family, systemized abuse in the family, um, misogyny. I don't often say that, but yes, systemized misogyny, uh, poverty. I think that there's a lot of push factors that lead to it, but the main terminology that most applies is at-risk people groups. Like I saw one of the last movies I watched with my father was, what was it, Wind River? And I know that, um, I don't know if you've seen that film, but Mm -hmm. Allison... One of the women I interviewed in um, uh, in the in the Kansas City um, rescue home um, uh, was when I last 
asked about her, she was going into the reservations to see uh, because there's so many stories of Indian young girls being trafficked or disappearing. So there's any group where there's any of these factors involved, where there's been a disruption of the family, where there's been systemized abuse, where there's been neglect or um, poverty or trauma or addiction or any place where there's no education, no social systems, uh, any kind of form of desperation that comes about to a family is rife for traffickers to pilfer or to attack or to infiltrate. I hear the common denominator is vulnerability, right? Whatever, whatever creates in this person's life creates them to be vulnerable and not have something firm to stand on or grasp on, you know, uh, in terms of systems and structures, then it makes them targetable. The other thing that I think is important, and I and I and I kind of figured this out later, which I understood more, and it's the painful part, is that yes, there's the criminalized element going on, right? Because one of the um, FBI agents said the the main uh, international cartels are Russian, Chinese, Mexican, but also some Eastern European working with the gangs in our when it comes to our country, working with the gangs in our country. But um, one of the things that's really important to understand it and makes it a little wilier and harder and emotional, even when I think about it, which is that, yes, there's that criminal element, but then there's also what Daniel Volpel called, and I t- at the time I thought it was crass, but I think it makes sense, like literally, there are freelancers, which are people who just do this to their children and to their families or to their wives. So there's there's a kind of individual aspect of this um, because this thought or idea is unfortunately there in the darkest recesses of the human psyche, you know, so it's not just this big criminalized aspect of it, which is happening, which is, you know, they say that human trafficking is up there with drugs and weapons, the top three. Mm -hmm. So that has blossomed in a way that's completely unacceptable, but then there's that individual. Like I, in, I interviewed. This story was unbelievable. She was trafficked out of her mother's basement in Kansas, in the state of Kansas, and the family lived above. Uh, her body started falling apart, and her mother abandoned her at a hospital. I think when she was legally of age, and just dropped her off there. And then she got in the foster care system, got some more abuse there, ran away, gotten a job and got a car, ran away, ended up in Montana at a gas station, begging for help from two guys running a gas station. Cut to she ends up being trafficked on the top floor of this gas station and says there's other women there, young girls who have been from other places around the globe. And she ends up running away by digging a chip chip out of her arm. And after we screened the film, you know, the lights went up and uh, the first question in the audience, this guy raises his hand and he goes, how can those people do this to their children? And I give a big flowery speech about like what I just said, at Mm -hmm. risk, everything, you know, that the film touches upon. And I just turned to her and I said, can you answer this question? And she goes, yeah. She goes, everything that's happening in that movie is happening here. It looks the same. The causes and conditions are are maybe not exactly the same, but they're similar. It doesn't look very different there than it does here in the house that I'm running miles away in Richmond, Virginia. And everybody got real quiet for a while. Yeah. 
I bet. I think we do. I, I think we struggle to believe it's real to a certain degree. It's like something we watch in a movie, you know, on special victims unit on law and order special, but you know, this is what, this is where it is. So I think sometimes we have a hard time uh, believing or accepting this is reality, but then to tell us that it's in a basement in Kansas in the Midwest of our own country, I think is even harder for us to believe. Um, and so I, I'm grateful for this conversation because I think it's really important for us to know this is happening right where yeah. we are. It's yes. right where we are. I'm going to tell you another story. One of the women I interviewed worked on the um, anti-trafficking team in Missouri and um, with the state at the state level. And she, what a, 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 a woman ended up in the hospital um, who had been trafficked and um, she shared her phone with the investigators. And there were, again, the term, and I'll use it, officials, names and numbers on her phone. Within a few days, the phone went missing. And this woman I interviewed was eventually fired within a short time after that. I turned off the camera and I said, okay, let's talk about this. This is this is getting crazy now. I, I said, it seems to me half the people, I said, a, a large portion of us in this country, and this was, we did these interviews January 2021, I think it was. I said, seemed to, it seems to me that... Um, they're either in total denial that this is happening, just yeah. or written off the people who are talking about it as extreme or, you know, whatever, salacious or whatever. And then the other half or maybe quarter of that half uh, are um, completely involved in some way, are somehow engaged consciously or unconsciously. And I, at that point I said half and half, but now I, and she, she shook her head and she goes, yes, that's what's happening. But at that, but now I've come to believe that of that half that are not in denial, there's a quarter that, that know what's happening. Just don't know what to do. Yes. Don't understand what can I do? How do we stop this? And you know, this is one of the reasons I'm doing all these interviews. I'm not doing them because they're fun for me all the time mm. <laughs> because, you know, they're, there's a, a there's lot. a lot of, st it's a lot, it's a lot. But, I, but, but I do them because I want us to not forget that we have a responsibility to not just sit back and let this happen. We, yes. we ha it, it doesn't matter what you do. Maybe it's, you're not going to spend seven years of your life putting all your money into a documentary. No, not everybody is in that position or wants to, or can, whatever, but there's something you can do. You can make sure that the people that get in office care about this issue. You can um, join up with anti-trafficking groups that you know about. You have to vet, you have to research. We all do. That's the way it goes. We have a bunch of them on our website, the what can you do page, uh, www.thenewabolitionistdoc.com. All of the people on that website I've met along the way. I know they're they're fighting the good fight and that they're legit. Um, and do some research when you can. If somebody says to me, "Oh, it's," I've had friends of mine who are mothers. They're like, especially young mothers, and they'll say, "I can't watch your film." I'll go, "You know what? God bless you. I know. I get it. I don't make people do something they can't, yeah. but." I know for a fact that if this thing is not somehow, this criminal industry is not confronted, it's going to prosper. 
And the only way that's not going to happen is that we stop it, that we as human beings in this country, globally, do whatever we can, when we can, at that moment that God gives us to do something. And I, I, I don't have, I don't have the grand schematic. Thank God I don't. Mm. I, uh, God does, but yeah. we all, as as Andrea likes to say, we all have a part to play in this. Yeah. You know, some yeah. of us might be spear chuckers, some of us might be the lead, but still, everybody has got it. Yeah. You know, because and, yeah, and I'm just, I'm, it's wonderful in an, in a not wonderful way to be able to sit here with you and know that you have answered the call to play your part and your part is different than what a lot of us can do and yet because of what you've done it gives us resources to know what we can do and so i just i just want to say again thank you for that so much i i feel the need to ask this question at any point have you been concerned for your own safety has it gotten scary as you've been doing this work you know, initially the first trip, I didn't, I didn't use cameras that were undercover cameras. So I got into a lot of situations. Um, interestingly, the most scary one I got into was with a John and a woman and a, a, clearly a, a, a sex worker. And, um, I just asked if they could take their picture and, and he almost went after me and she got in between us and defended me. Um, it was, it was very moving actually what she did, but I've been in a, a few situations, even talking about it, those that of course has crossed my mind. I get tension in my back when I discuss it, but then another part of me goes, and this, I'm going to get emotional. We can't be intimidated yes. by that. We can't be scared of these people. This is disgusting. I, I'm now I'm getting upset. Like I refuse for us all to be cowering while this level of cruelty is just allowed to blossom as an industry. I, I, I don't even know how the, I don't even have the words mm-hmm. for how vile that is. Yes. I, I just can't believe that's forget about globally. I'm just speaking to my fellow Americans. That can't be where we are right now. Yeah. It yeah. can't be where we are. And if yeah. it is, we got to sit up straight, you know, splash some water on our face and get out there. And get and, up and, again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is mm-hmm. just too much now. This yeah. is children. This is, this is unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Someone has to do the fighting right now. And I, I mean, yes. there's a really, there's a really good show I watched about it. And it's interesting, the stuff that's coming out right now, because people are, you know, it's, it's tough subject matter, but. It's also God will give us the grace to deal with it. He gave it to me. As we kind of, as we kind of wrap this up, I just wonder if we can, if you will share with us, where do you see the hope? Where do you see God at work? And what I think hope is what helps us not be moved, right? It's what helps us splash that water on our face and say, no, I am going to stand up again. Oh, where do you see the hope? Uh, the hope, well, the hope in the kingdom the hope is that this is not about results. This is about our purpose on this earth, right? It's right. We're, we're, we're on the ultimate stage and being watched from the great cloud of witnesses. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, I'm going to go down swinging. I'm going to go down doing what I know. And I'm not saying that I feel this way every day because we all have we all have real issues we're fighting through in our personal lives. So I'm not, 
But I do think if people take the time when they can to get educated, get educated when you're feeling strong enough to handle it, Mm -hmm. use that time to get educated. And I promise if you pray about it, God's going to open opportunities for you to be of use. But if you continue in those moments of strength to educate yourself, just like he did with me, you'll find your time and way. You'll find your time and way. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that so much. And we appreciate your time so much, Christina. This is just amazing work. And I'm just so delighted really to be able to be part of getting the message about this project out. The project, again, the film is called The New Abolitionists, and it is available on Amazon, on iTunes and other platforms. The website is linked in today's show notes. And from the website, uh, you can find that what can I do uh, tab or where can I help tab that Christina has been talking about. The trailer for the documentary is also linked in today's show notes. Again, Christina, one more time, just thank you so much for your time today. Okay. Thank you for having me. And thank you, friend, for listening. Until next time. Peace. Thank you so much, Christina, for the years you poured yourself into this project and your dedication to keep talking about it so we all have a better understanding of what is really happening and how we can really help. Our verse again this week is Proverbs 31.8. In the NLV, it says, Open your mouth for those who cannot speak and for the rights of those who are left without help. And if you haven't yet, I encourage you to listen to Monday's Take It In episode where I focus on the word open. Next week, our Take It In verse will be Judges 6.14, where the angel of the Lord tells unlikely Gideon that he is strong. I love that story so much. And my guest will be popular sportscaster and motivational speaker, Rachel Barbeau. Rachel will talk to us about her work raising mental health awareness for college athletes, overcoming an addiction, and learning to embrace joy. If you haven't yet, I'd be so grateful if you would subscribe or follow the podcast on whatever directory you're using to listen. It helps the show so much, and it guarantees you'll see new episodes as soon as they drop. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you're walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.